And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. So Jacob and I are walking away from St James's Park after. Well, I don't know how to. I don't know how to describe that. I mean, that's one of the biggest, most extraordinary nights, performances, and results in Newcastle's history. It has to be. I feel drained. I feel exhausted, and all I've done is watch that. Although I was in my season ticket so I did some shouting and singing as well but bloody hell what a night Jacob what a night what a night and I'm absolutely shocked that you've joined me I just thought I was going to be left like a lost child in the supermarket and we're going to lose you to the sea flowing out of St James's Park at the end of it I mean were there tears in what minute did they come let's have a breakdown Uh, the tears started on match day minus three um, no, I held it together. I did get, I have to say, I got emotional, of course, when Dan's goal was finally awarded after about nine hours. And again, when Sean scored as well, I mean, the, the, the goal scorers, I mean, that's just such an incredible story. Players who'd either been discarded under the previous manager or, in Dan's case, came home when nobody expected it. Uh, it was just amazing. And the atmosphere, the night, the whole feeling of it, the PSG fans rolling up with their police accompanying us. I've ruined this already by saying accompany us. And uh, drum beats and all the rest of it. Yeah, it was it was fabulous. But I mean, you know, did you feel some emotion about that too? Yeah, I think just when you think about what it meant for the city, sometimes I'm a bit cynical when managers say, oh, the crowd really changed this game for us, yada, yada, yada. But... I think there really was a sense in which it massively did disrupt PSG's build-up at the start. It completely fired Newcastle's players into extra sprints. You saw it in the kind of 15th minute when Bruno was double fist-pumping. I was like, man, there's still 80 minutes to go. Yeah. Yet, did not matter at all. The energy they had, and, and how mentioned this in the press conference, the impact of the crowd, and for once, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, I think that did happen. I think it did. I totally think it did, yeah. And everybody was doing those fist pumps. They were like gladiators. I'm pretty sure I said after the Milan game that there was a chance that Newcastle could blow teams away at home. And I think I was met with a bit of sneerage from a certain Mr Woff. But that's exactly what happened. That was team and crowd in perfect harmony. Just sensational. And we're going to win the Champions League, I think, aren't we? Uh, It's not a wee for me yet. It's not a wee. I thought I'd got you there. I thought I'd got you. All right, speak to you later. One day more. And Sarah! 
another day, another destiny. This can happen, you know. This can happen. To Calvary. These men who sit to me My word, what an absolutely incredible night. My name's Taylor Payne. This is Pod on the Time. I've had about five minutes sleep. I'm running on fumes. I don't know about the rest of you. What an evening it was. I'm here. I've got a full compliment of the Pod on the Time lads. Chris Woff's here. Chris, how are you? I'm still on cloud nine. Like I think everyone else is still trying to process exactly what happened last night. Yeah. And absolutely wired. Absolutely. Jacob Whitehead's here. Jacob, how are you? Hello, how is it going? It's nice to have one of us on for every goal. <laughs> Lovely stuff. And George Corkins here. How the devil are you, George? 
Living the dream, living the dream. These in are tears. The, these are the days of our lives, my friends. What a what Indeed a pl- what a privilege and pleasure to be around that last night. It's a result for the ages. This will be a podcast for the ages. I have no doubt. Oh, what an introduction that was, though. Got a lot to live up to after that. Incredible stuff from our producer Ollie there. Brilliant stuff on that intro. Uh, well, a special night at St James's Park. Champions League football back in Newcastle after twenty years, and my God, did Eddie Howe's men deliver? Quite simply. One of the greatest games of football, Chris Woff, that that stadium has ever witnessed. Yeah, and sometimes we can maybe get caught up in the moment and we say make statements like that and really, in the cold light of day, that they don't turn out to be true. That, last night, the stage that Newcastle were on, the first time back there, the quality of the opposition, the way that they put the complete frighteners up them and the unity on and off the pitch, the the clarity in, in what everyone was trying to achieve and the way that they went about and achieved it and the quality they displayed absolutely phenomenal and that w- that will go down in history with, with Barcelona as one of the greatest nights in Newcastle United's history without a doubt George you weren't taking any chances were you in your seat by about half past four no that's not true Taylor that's your 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 reading too much on uh, Twitter and X by my uh, irritating colleague who has just spoken <laughs> I was I was in the vicinity of the stadium from very early yesterday as indeed was Jacob because we were contractually tasked with recording the sights and sounds of Newcastle's historic day. I was in the stadium very early, just to have a look around, and uh, and yeah, I did a video and posted that. But I also, uh, in all seriousness, I wanted to be around the stadium early yesterday as well. It was very reminiscent of that day post-takeover, the first game, the Tottenham Hotspur match, when suddenly the streets around the stadium were just full of people wanting to be back in at St James's after so long of being there under sufferance. It had that sort of buzz to the place again. It was just magical to be around, hearing the PSG fans come up through the city, the flares and the drumming and yeah, and that and that kind of stuff. It, yeah, but it, it, Chris is totally, totally and utterly right. That is a scoreline, a result, a performance that will echo down the ages. That is the Barcelona game. It's Feyenoord. It's five nil against Man United. It's the four threes, but the other way around. Yeah. It's it's. Just, just an incredible, incredible result, an incredible match. And we've witnessed, we've witnessed, it was already history because it was so long since the Champions League had been played at Newcastle. But my God, that is etched in the record books forever. It is. And I looked at my boy during that game last night with his big daft smile on his face. And I thought, this is his Barcelona, exactly what you're saying. It's this generation's... Tino Aspria Barcelona game, isn't it? And this will be remembered for the rest of his life. Come on then, how did that, you, you teased this a little bit. Yeah. In, in saying that you hadn't told him about getting tickets for the match and you you sprung that surprise on him so how did that how did that all go oh it was brilliant we, we, we basically we just I let, I let him believe that we were just going to sit and watch it in the house and then you know when it was time to go I just said go and get your coat hit your trainers and uh, he went why and I went because we're going to the game and he just exploded. It was just incredible. I mean, he's, you know, I had to peel him off the ceiling to get him into bed last night. He just wasn't, he wasn't calming down. Uh, and he was still up at height this morning when it was time for the school run. So bless him. He's, he absolutely loved it. He, he said on the Metro going home probably about five times, this has been the best night of my life. Man. And I was just, you know, as a dad, that, that you know, brings tears to your eyes, but it's the tears of joy. It was, it was incredible. I'm so glad I got to share that experience with yeah. him as well. You know, he deserves that. Beautiful. And he just doesn't know how much of a lucky little bastard he is because this <laughs> doesn't happen to us, does it? 
but it's happening to us now. There was something different last night, Jacob, about that atmosphere inside St James's Park, wasn't there? Even during the warm-up, Newcastle fans were very loud and booing killing him about every time he touched the ball during the warm-up. The atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, I thought one byproduct of the digital ticketing, which obviously we know is a pain, was that everyone was encouraged to get to the stadium early. Everyone did that. It was filled from half an hour before kickoff and what I really liked was how they actually cut the music for a few periods. So like before Local Heroes started, there's about five, ten minutes of silence. You just sort of hear it bubbling up yeah. and it was such an organic way, but it just really rooted everyone in the present without going to Gwyneth Paltrow on you. Um, <laughs> and that just really <laughs> added to it because you just kind of had this moment of people awaiting Local Hero, the Champions League anthem to start on and something which the fans could explode into and then that kind of transferred onto the players that they in turn could explode into PSG. Chris, it was proper 12th man stuff, wasn't it? I mean, I know we use it as a cliche now and again, the old 12th man, but that was a night when the crowd absolutely got Newcastle up for the game. It was, and it was as if PSG didn't expect it. That was what I found odd about the whole thing is I'm not, I'm, I'm sure that would have been intimidating for any opposition team coming. And I mean, I suppose Enrique had referenced it in his pre-match press conference that he knew what the atmosphere would be like. But the PSG players just looked, some of them at least just looked visibly shocked. They didn't seem to, yeah. to, to know what to, that they were, this was what they were going to expect, what they were walking into. And they just couldn't react from that. And then Newcastle, the players fed off the crowd. The crowd fell off the players. There was so many so many gestures towards the crowd from players trying to lift them up even higher, which he didn't think they could whip them higher than, than they were. And yeah, it, it has it has become cliche. But that was, that, that was why I think so many of us have been quietly confident that at home in the Champions League Newcastle will do so well. Don't listen to George's post truth at the start of this podcast where apparently I didn't I said that Newcastle would struggle at home in the Champions League. I think if we go back, I said that Newcastle would get through in the Champions League both before the draw was made and after the draw was made. And the reason I was so confident, or I am confident, is because of the crowd and the way that Newcastle are just it's just such a difficult place to go. It's difficult enough at three o'clock on a Saturday as Burnley found, but on a midweek European game, I know this was the first one in twenty years, so this is probably even heightened even more than others but you just even if you dilute that slightly teams are really going to struggle to deal with that and Newcastle are going to continue to be energised by it. Chris if Newcastle United are able to rewrite history then I'm certainly able to rewrite history and I distinctly remember you poo-pooing my great theory that Newcastle were going to blow away all the big teams at home it's there on the record and if it's not it is now so who cares Uh, the thing I loved the thing I loved about that pre-match atmosphere was sort of Newcastle had to respond because the PSG fans were in the corner and from you know from way before kickoff they started singing. I'd been around them as they kind of snaked up through the town uh, before kickoff. I mean it was unbelievable seeing that. I mean you know the only thing I can really equate it to is when Newcastle play Sunderland at home and there's that kind of long march from the from the central station. It felt it was reminiscent of that. I mean yeah. you know not quite that same sense of hostility and dread perhaps but god they were you know they were bouncing behind their big ultras banners all wearing black jumping up and down chanting you just got this sense of this is different you know this is so different from your run-of-the-mill home games and that carried on into the stadium they were singing and chanting and jumping up and down and so Newcastle fans, you know, had that sense that they had to respond. And so they did. So you had that incredible atmosphere 
before kickoff once again as always but have to have to say a big thank you and well done to war flags who were just you know astonishing that was a, a, such a beautiful display it got everybody involved in the stadium so then that whipped everything up again it looked great the stadium of flags as matt ritchie once put it just just brilliant and yeah chris says absolutely correctly psg didn't know what had what had hit them that's an unbelievable thing to say about a team that has oh. that array of talent and quality in it but they they were just rocked back that is the stadium the team we've always thought we have but now we do yeah it was just a thing of absolutely brutal beauty i thought what was class about that war flags display was the way in which there's just that circle left empty which the magpie eventually made its way into but there's just that complete element of mystery of what on earth is going to happen there there as everything else was covered it was unbelievable. I thought when Hello, Hello went up in the Leaser's End, I thought that was like a reference, going to be a reference to Allo, Allo. I thought there was going to be like some sort of French thing and a giant beret was going to come up in the Gallagher End. But and of course, it was Hello, Hello, We Are the Geordie Boys, which was very, very clever, yeah. that that last little... Come on, Chris, that wasn't bad. You could have smiled at that. You just got your head in your hands. Come on, raise your game. This is a, This is an important, big podcast after one of the most... Brilliant nights in Newcastle's history. Don't shake your head at me. We're bringing in mildly xenophobic British sitcoms, are we, into this massive night? They don't like it up them. They don't like it up them. <laughs> That's from Dad's Army. Don't. They didn't last night. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Uh, Chris, uh, Luis Enrique's formation was slightly bold, wasn't it? Playing with four attackers and no midfield. It was an interesting approach. Um, I think it gave us uh, a little bit of help in that midfield, didn't it? It allowed our midfield uh, to put their foot on the ball a bit more and they just didn't look quite right, PSG. Yeah, well, I think it sort of summed up PSG really in terms of almost, do I want to call it arrogance? I think I will call it arrogance. I felt that everything about them turned up and it was, as I say, it didn't seem prepared for what they were going to face. Yeah. And then to that uh, Enrique to play a system like that, to, to, yeah. to play the way that they did and allow Newcastle to, to come onto them and really press them high in those moments. I thought that that just smacked of, of a team just thought, well, we're better than that. It doesn't matter what they try and do because we're just superior. Yeah. And... And on the night, they weren't superior. They were massively inferior to everything Newcastle did. And I did think that just by sheer numbers, Newcastle had more bodies in midfield because PSG had the four attackers on the pitch. Newcastle's midfield three of, of Tenali, Bruno Gimaraes and Sean Longstaff complemented each other very nicely. That Bruno uh, Tenali axis, finally, we, we saw that, that maybe it can work in those sorts of environments. Tenali was on the left on, on this occasion and started very well, put a few good passes in yeah, good. down the left, pressurised well. And Ugarte was left almost completely by himself uh, in midfield because a lot, a lot of times Zaya Emery 
would, would move forward. And Newcastle went one-on-one at times in other positions, and it meant that if PSG did break, break through, that it basically was one-on-one defending. But in the, re- the rest of the pitch, that they managed to smother the ball so often that it didn't matter because PSG didn't often enough break through the lines. And Newcastle, yeah, I think Emery really did shoot himself in the hit his team in the foot by the way that he played and his refusal to change it. I thought he would change it. And he says he did change it. Well, he, he implied afterwards with an RC response in his press conference that he had changed the formation, but he didn't change it well enough. So, yeah. I was a bit surprised in a way by the arrogance PSG showed. And I agree it was arrogance because the day before his press conference, Luis Enrique was quite impressed at how glowing he was in terms of Newcastle, how he identified their dangers. He talked about their pressing. He talked about the intensity in midfield. He called them an almost complete team. He knows what the stadium, the atmosphere could be like. He photographed himself with his arm around a bust of Sir Bobby Robson, who managed him at Barcelona. And yet to turn up in midfield, so the 4 2 4 is a system he does generally play, but with a new signing in Ugarte and a 17 year old in um, Zaire Emery, who was, I mean, for a 17 year old, he's still ridiculously good, but you could have had two Luka Modric's in midfield and they were still going to be overrun yeah. on that night with the way that Newcastle played with that extra person. It was absolutely ridiculous. That first 20 minutes as well, and we've, we've already spoken about the atmosphere and the noise. There was a point where it was absolutely ear-splitting and the crowd was screaming. I couldn't see what was going on because of where I was sat in the Leaser's end. Everyone stood up in front of me. And I looked around expecting something to be kicking off. It was a fucking throw-in, George. We'd won a throw-in. This was something that happened repeatedly <laughs> last night, and obviously Jacob and I wrote about the game, and in sort of we had to write about it in sort of emotional, colourful way, trying to sort of capture the sights and sounds. Obviously, this is something that you know, this is something that kind of Jacob wrote, but we, you know, we all noticed in that stadium the way that it was Bruno that did the first one. I think after like 15, 16 minutes, he does a tackle. It's in front of the Milburn stand. It's in a completely harmless position. The ball goes out of touch, and then Bruno is like. He's flexing, he's sort of on his haunches. He looks like a gladiator who's just sort of gone in for the kill in the Colosseum in Rome and he's like blood-drenched hands. And yeah, you're right, the ball's just gone up out for a throw-in, but the crowd are like going absolutely fucking ballistic. Yeah. And yeah. Dan Byrne did the same thing and Gordon did the same thing and it was happening all over the pitch. They were winning the ball, they were doing a sliding tackle, they were... and And crown and players were feeding off each other and when it was happening at the start you were thinking oh my god they're they're up for this but they're up for this so early and you know they're doing that they're doing that 15 minutes into the game can they keep it going but the thing is they did keep it going and yeah the 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 noise the kind of the visceral response to pretty mundane things happening in the match but it just set the tone and PSG could not live with it. They could not live with that level of perfectly fair, but just aggression everywhere. God, beautiful, beautiful. We love a tackle. It was incredible. We love a tackle. Oh, we do. We absolutely love a tackle. And 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 it was, it was obvious that that PSG backline were a bit rattled. They were still quite composed trying to play the ball out, but Marquinhos uh, tries to dink one into midfield, and Bruno gets his head on it. Isaac spins and shoots. And who else, Chris Woff, but Miguel Almiron puts the ball in the back of the net. And St. James's Park, I was convinced, was going to lift off and just fly off into space. <laughs> Levitate. That ball went in. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. I'm glad you've come to me on this one, actually, because 
I mean, first of all, Marquinhos, what in God's name he was doing, I have no idea. But again, it was almost that arrogance of I can just loft this ball over this really, this high pressed Newcastle line, or actually I'll under hit it, yeah. Bruno headed. And Isak on the turn smacks it. And Donnarumma actually makes a really good reflex save. Yes, it is almost straight at him, but it's a very good save to get it back. But I really do want to credit Miguel Almiron because I actually think, I actually, wow. going comparing this to the Burnley game, I actually think, as great a goal as that was, I, I was more impressed by what he did last night with that goal because the Burnley goal, he, he picks it up and, and he hits it as as uh, wonderfully and it was a very, very good goal. But to have the calmness and composure to set himself, yeah. not be rash with the, sh- the shot, to curl it as he did, basically the one place Donnarumma couldn't get to it from quite a tight angle, when the whole place is sort of still, oh, Isak, because Newcastle just won the ball, Isak's on the turn. I thought it was brilliant. It was exactly what Miguel Almiron is now learning to do and has really started to learn to do. And I thought it was just phenomenal. And it really set the tone that Newcastle had, despite everything going around them, in those key moments, the players had the cool the coolness of mind to be able to do that. And I thought it was a wonderful finish. That's Chris Woff there, the president of the Miguel Almiron Appreciation Society on a day of rewriting history. When I've been accused of rewriting history, I would just like to point this out. What a day for Almiron. Discovers his country going to host a World Cup, or at least one game in this crazy tournament, and scores the first goal in the Champions League for 20 years. I mean, there can't have been too many better Wednesdays people have had. No. And, I mean, we, we do have to take a step back and look at all the goal scorers last night. And, you know, I know we'll come on and talk about those those individual goals. But it's it's just such a, an incredible story. You start with Almiron. Obviously, Dan Byrne, not somebody who was at the club pre-takeover, but had certainly given up of ever coming back home. But for him to score in the Champions League, then Sean Longstaff, Fabian Scher, players who'd either been discarded fallen out of form, didn't know what they were supposed to be doing under Steve Bruce. And, you know, for for those for those players to be so prominent and to score those goals is just is just an absolutely beautiful story. It's a tribute to them, to their perseverance, to their efforts, to their hard work. It's a tribute to Eddie House coaching and um, you know, finding players in there again. Just absolutely sensational. I love the fact that they were the goal scorers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's talk about that Dan Byrne goal. It felt like an age with that VAR check, didn't it? Um, bit of a goal mouth scramble from McKeeran Trippier free kick. Bruno was onside by quite a way in the end, and Donnarumma's miraculous effort isn't enough to prevent Byrne from scoring. When uh, when he went up for that header over the back of uh, Skriniar, honestly, it must have been like, like somebody said to me, it must have been like having a bike thrown at you, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> But I said it would be like having a wardrobe fall on you, Dan Byrne jumping over the back of you to put the ball in the net. There was nowhere else that ball was going, was there? It was just, it was perfect, Chris. That's what you want. You want Dan Byrne diving in there and making sure that ball goes in the net. Yeah, I mean, it didn't actually make the net, though, did it? Because Donnarumma... It's (laughs) in the goal. Don't be a pedantic (laughs) Oh, here we go. Mr. Chip piss. Uh, no, it was absolutely a wonderful moment. And, and I, I mean, the VAR situation was a bit bizarre and it still wasn't fully clarified. On the, on the, It seems that what happened was because the ball may have brushed Jamal Lascelles' arm earlier, I think that was more of the VAR check because they have the sort of semi-automated for, for Bruno Gimaraes who was onside. But that phase of play again, Newcastle just wanted it more. 
Like, repeatedly, they, they were just given space to be able to do what they wanted in the box. The amount of space that Bruno had to first shoot from the, from the knockdown that, that came his way, and then to have the presence of mind, well, he had the space and room as well to, to lift the ball at the box, and, and Dan Byrne desperate to be there. I mean, why Dan Byrne was in there at that point, you'd have thought that he maybe was, was retreating and going back to left-back, but no, he was determined to be in that position, gets above his man, powers the header, and, and Donnarumma does wonderfully to get a hand to it, but he he can't keep it out. It's, it is well over the line, clearly over the line, and he is made to wait the eternity to get that moment. And I, and I've exchanged messages with some people in his family. I know there were a lot of tears in the in the Burn household box uh, at that at that moment. And what a moment! I mean, he he said it afterwards that nobody can take that away from me. That now I've scored in the Champions League. He does join Alan Shearer and all the other wonderful names in Newcastle United history who have scored in this competition, Craig Bellamy, those key moments now, Dan Byrne, who sat and watched them in the East Stand. Andy Griffin. Uh, remember, <laughs> Andy Griffin, Juventus, that's the that's the game he always references. Yeah. Well, that was a slender 1-0 win. He was part of a Newcastle side who absolutely pulverised Paris Saint-Germain at St. James's Park, and he's one of the goal scorers as well. Just a wonderful moment. Well, there were there were, there were tears in my season ticket, Chris. I have no uh, I have no embarrassment about admitting that, albeit for the one minute, two minute, three minutes that you're waiting for this VR check. I have to say, you know, I'm in. I was in the stands. There's abysmal reception. There's no Wi-Fi. You have no idea what's going on. You're just sitting there waiting or standing there, waiting for it to be ratified. And as Jacob and I kind of wrote this morning, it felt like that twenty years was all boiled down into that three three minutes taking us back the 20 years Dan sitting in the stands the 20 years since the last Champions League game and then when the place erupted it was yeah unbelievable and you look at the you look at the scoreboard and it says 2-0 and that's when you're starting to actually think my god you know there's something very very special happening happening here the goal that it couldn't happen to a better person um he, you know, he's he he just represents everything that's good about Newcastle right now. Um, you know, I'm sure we're all we're all really really chuffed chuffed for him. I mean, he was he was sort of saying, you know, afterwards he was referencing him being um, released by Fulham at the age of 24, 20, 25. He's had an incredible career, been at Darlington, trying to make his way uh, in football, just hoping to kind of have a career, and here he is at the back end of it. You know, playing at the top end of the Premier League, playing, playing at the absolute elite level in the Champions League, scoring a goal, keeping PSG quiet. <clears throat> We're really, really lucky. We're really, really lucky to have him. Um, I've like referenced the story a lot about not long after the takeover, waiting in the in the mix zone and uh, where you get to speak to players and talking to Dan and Murdad Gadusi walking past and Dan breaking off and hugging him and saying thank you for bringing me home and it was like this very very touching moment but it's actually not the full it's not the full story because you can reverse that and we should be expressing our thanks to Dan and his teammates for bringing us home for bringing us home to a club that is now competing again that is aggressive again that's front-footed that's ambitious again that's in the Champions League again so Dan if you're listening I don't know if you are but thank you for bringing us home Sorry, that was that was slightly ruined by me choking on my own phlegm. But, um, but at the end, <laughs> I thought you were coughing back the tears there. To be honest, looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events, we've got the spot. Our partner StubHub 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, let's talk about... Well, half-time came and went and, and it was a bit of a dreamland, wasn't it, Chris? But let's talk about... Just after half time, Sean Longstaff. Everyone sits down and gets ready to hunker down for the big, uh, the big. Let's hold off this PSG front line. And Sean Longstaff pops up with an Andy Griffin esque moment of his own, doesn't he? Smashing the ball into the net at the Gallagher end. Uh, Kieran Trippier playing him through and killing him. And Bappe just kind of strolling back across the halfway line. Doesn't fancy tracking back at all, does he? I think that was killing Mbappe's biggest contribution to the match. Actually, just allowing Sean Longstaff to run through. Clean into the, into the, I mean, again, it's it's it. You can see that that is when I sp- a few weeks ago I was saying how Newcastle's attack hasn't been functioning. Well, now it very much is functioning, and that's one of the moves that Newcastle do so well, linking up particularly down that right hand side between that that axis there and Trippier finding Sean Longstaff with that late run into the right hand side of the box. Usually, he at least has a man tracking him. On yeah. this occasion, he didn't. Um, but he has the 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 willingness and desire to get there. And then also just looks up and basically thinks, I'm, I'm going to have a go here. And you can argue that Donnarumma certainly should do better and probably should save it. But the, the venom that Sean Longstaff hits it with and also the fact that he, he does catch him out quite early because I think he hits it sooner than Donnarumma necessarily expects. And yes, he can only divert in, into his own net. And at that point, it was it's amazing if you watch the goal back because there is almost like a momentary, si- not quite silence, but basically a gap between the ball hitting the net and the sort of reaction from everyone because I don't think anyone can quite believe exactly what happens. I couldn't believe it. Sean himself seemed to take a, a few seconds to, to fully compute exactly what was going on. He said afterwards he didn't remember his celebration even because he just had so much adrenaline rushing through his body. And yeah, another wonderful story. Obviously, George interviewed him towards the end of last season brilliant comeback tale from him another one who has shown in the last few weeks just how vital he is for this side really does bring the balance to that midfield and he, he scores on these big occasions he did it he did it last year in the Carabao Cup semi-final got got a, got a brace and then he gets gets this one and in the Newcastle's biggest night in the Champions League in more than 20 years absolutely phenomenal story incredible stuff George Sean Longstaff I mean what a story what a 
What a turnaround for him in his career, scoring goals at the Gallagher end in the Champions League. I mean, it's the stuff that dreams are made of for boyhood Newcastle fans, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he he's, he said it afterwards. I mean, kind of, I've already kind of made reference to those to those players, but you know, he said afterwards um, for a few of us. Two three years ago, there was a chance that we were on we were on our way out, and um, at that point, if he'd if he'd left, you wouldn't you'd wonder what his career looks looks like now. But it's all credit to him. I mean, it's credit to to Eddie Howe for wanting to keep him around, and then um, you know then coaching him back to this player that we all hoped he could be. But it's just a beautiful story, and again, he's just somebody else who who deserves all the good things in the world. He's just an incredible lad, um, and. Newcastle United are better with Sean Longstaff in midfield, and it's a it's a midfield that has now got a Brazil international in it. It's got an Italian international in it. Sean Longstaff should be in the mix for for England. There's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. He has been sensational since coming back into the team. It's oh god, I, that makes me feel emotional. You know, thinking about that, saying that again, he's he's one of our own. We're very very lucky to have him, and thank God he didn't leave three years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the third goal goes in, Jacob, and everything's gone a little bit Barcelona all over again, hasn't it? Including the potential for the immensely talented side that we're playing to get themselves back into it. Uh, Hernandez's goal ruled on side by the width of a little finger, of course, and Azai Emery at 17, probably their best player, wasn't he? It turns out Pete Rudsland knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh, me and George slightly dis- disagreed on this, actually. I George was obviously in Stan's eyes in the press box and... At 3-1, I was impressed at how I felt like Newcastle were really calm after that goal, dealt with it. George maybe sensed a little bit of nervousness, even if that was in the stands rather than actually on the pitch. Um, But that was something which they did react well with, just kind of taking a sting out of it. Because it's not like PSG created lots of chances after going back to 3-1, despite the fact that there may have been a kind of... I mean, it's natural. You might be feeling what next. I did. I, yeah. I. I. I mean, again, I'd, maybe it was different in other parts of the stadium. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know what you you thought, Taylor. But no. I mean, at three 0 I turned to the fellow on my left and said, "Jesus, I think we're going to win this." And then they get one <laughs> yeah. back, and he turns to me and says, "You shouldn't have stood out." And it was like, yeah. "Yeah, shit. Sorry about that." And I felt very, very nervous. That was like the first time that I felt really, really nervous. But. You know, we said this before. We said this last season when Newcastle were on the cup run in the in the Carabao Cup. Oh, I love a drink of Carabao right now. Um, that that sort of those feelings of uh, hesitancy or nerves weren't on the pitch. So that was just us. That was us and the old version of Newcastle. But you know, there the, the, there was a moment when Mbappe was getting on the ball a bit. He was doing those little flicks with the outside of his boot, and it was like just little passes, but. Mm, is there something? And I thought Newcastle suddenly looked just knackered, and they roused themselves. But you also then looking at the bench and thinking there's not a lot there for them to to call on if needed. So I I definitely felt nervousness at that point. I don't know what don't know what you felt, Taylor. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when the when the goal goes in, I think it's just the whole Newcastleness of the situation hits you, doesn't it? And yeah. you kind of start to go. Oh, here we go. You know, like we can't just make this easy, can we? And get another couple, and that'll be it. Yeah, but. Once the, I mean, they, they start they start to sort of sit back a little bit, but they they sat back with control. It wasn't like panic stations, was it? No. It was it was they knew what they were doing. The shape was perfect. The defense knew their jobs. Everybody was picking their man up. It was it was it was spot on. In a perverse sort of way, and I mean, this is this is with hindsight, but I did think by about the seventy fifth, eightieth minute. In some ways, the PSG goal 
given the amount of emotion and the emotional energy that had been exuded, it was it almost felt like maybe actually that goal calmed everyone down. And who who knows what would have happened if the goal hadn't gone in? But maybe everyone needed that breather just for a little bit to think. Right, we refocus a little bit now. This this is now. We can't just keep going forward. Maybe we do just need to to sort of settle for a little bit here. That that's that that's a very much in hindsight way of looking at it. But I think that that's that's how it felt to me at the time. And yeah, PSG got a bit more of the ball and a bit more of the ball in advanced areas but they still didn't really break through lots there weren't loads of clear-cut chances in fact the best chance really came very early on before Nikasi even scored when Dembele possibly should have yeah. scored he took it first time which I think surprised everyone it just whistled past the post could have been a very very different game if that one had gone in but but after that really the front three well, front four didn't really click Colo Moanu was taken off midway through the second half having done absolutely nothing and Newcastle centre-backs, I want to pay tribute, before we even get on to Cher's goal, I want to pay tribute to to them. I thought yeah. Jamal Lascelles has come into the team in the last few games and what a player transformed he looks as well. Looks far more composed on the ball, wanting it, willing to to pass it through the lines, play those difficult but and also just completely control the game. A lot of the match, Mbappe was further inside than I think we necessarily expected, but... At no point did either of Newcastle centre backs look ruffled by him. Obviously, the full backs are obviously, and it was a collective defensive team effort. But those centre backs, Cher playing on the left when usually he'd be on the right, and Jamal Lascelles even being in, in the team, having had having to play three games in such a short space of time, I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely spot on, Jamal Lascelles. What a colossus! Um, you know, I think you see the teams before kickoff. You know, you know that Botman's out. Botman's been so important to that Newcastle defence. Absolutely quality player. You know, people have asked the question, why is Jamal Lascelles still at the club? Why is he hung around? Why does Eddie Howe say all these nice things about him? Well, obviously, we know how important he is off the pitch and still treated as a, as a captain. He's also been bursting to play. Oh, you know, you see him come in and play like that. It's it's that was That's an astonishing thing to do. I mean, to be able to do that. I know he played at the weekend in the league as well, but just absolutely incredible to, to, to kind of have that, have that, sense of presence and leadership and solidity when you know your head could be scrambled by what you're facing I just thought he was sensational that's another amazing story and he's he's got his chance he's absolutely taken it with both hands a lovely moment and yeah incredibly important on the night it was a team full of heroes but he was he was right up there at the at the top of the list just to underscore his importance Ahmed Walid, who's one of our tactical experts at The Athletic, has just written a piece about how Newcastle stopped Mbappe. And the key thing he highlights there is Lascelles' role in the mid-block. So Mbappe would drop back, try and get on the ball. It was Lascelles' job to come out to man-mark him in defence and allow the midfield to flood back. And so Jamal Lascelles' reputation, you would not have thought he was a player a couple of seasons ago who would in any way be able to match up with that job with Kylian Mbappe. And he did it to absolute perfection. He was wonderful. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me about Newcastle last night wasn't just the game management, uh, which is something that we hear a lot about in the modern day game, um, but it was the emotional management as well, George. It was a massive occasion. And I thought Newcastle, although they skirted along the lines occasionally with a little bit of uh, overzealous tackling and Bruno got himself a yellow card and all that, but I thought they managed the occasion and they managed the emotions of the occasion really well. And I think that came across in the way they were playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, just from what watching that match just from being there how much it scrambles the brain when you know when the noise is just absolutely in your head 
and there's no escape from it. It's you know you can't concentrate. It's difficult. I mean, playing in that, being able to shut it out is incredible. I'm not saying they did that because they didn't. You know, they were clearly fired up, and yeah, there was that slight concern at the start when they're when they are flying into tackles and pumped up and facing the crowd, whether they're too up for it and. But they weren't, and yeah, they 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 trod the line carefully. They're good at doing that now. There is kind of great management. There was a very funny moment. I don't know if you saw it from where you were. Um, it may well have been after the share goal. I can't quite remember, but where Jacob Murphy looks to the looks to the uh, dugout and is then suddenly doing this massive exaggerated limp as he uh, as he hobbles back. Didn't say that, to no, to get brilliant. beyond the halfway line for the game to get kicked off again. Yeah, the fact it was, it was definitely the goal because that was what it was. It was to, it was for PSG to kick off, and he's limping, he's hobbling, he's hobbling. <laughs> takes his time, takes his time. Then of course the game kicks off, and he's absolutely, absolutely fine. Brilliant. They're very, very good at seeing games out now. But yeah, you have to play on the line in a game like that. But they did it expertly. They were great. And going into injury time, Chris, I think it was a bit of a party atmosphere inside St. James's Park already. I think we pretty much had it wrapped up. But Newcastle are still pressing high up the pitch. Seven players in the attacking third of the pitch pressing PSG and trying to win the ball back. Fabian Scher was magnificent on the night, wins it back, plays a little pass into Jacob Murphy, gets it back and just dispatches it into Donnarumma's top left-hand corner. And again, St. James's Park erupts. It was just an incredible way to finish the game, wasn't it? It was, and uh, I exchanged messages with someone who has previously worked under Eddie Howe and 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 base, who basically said that that shows exactly how Newcastle are trying to be, even in the in the in the in injury time, they are basically defending one on one on the halfway line, pressing to man mark in that situation to try and win the ball back, and that bravery to keep doing it because if PSG break and score at that stage three two. In injury time, it's, it becomes very nervy, but instead, Newcastle aren't thinking in that negative sort of way. They're thinking in the positive mindset. And I see that on our, on our running order, it's just been added. Don't spoil this, Chris, in terms of my analysis of Fabian Scher's finish. <laughs> well, as you said, he he's the one who wins it back, pressing from that left centre-back position, goes to to uh, to Jacob Murphy, and then, and then he gets it back. And he is slipping over. And I am going to call it the slip over screamer because he is falling over <laughs> and he whips it. And actually, it's the, it's the behind, it's the angle from behind that's astonishing. When you first yeah. see it, you think it's just gone in. It's actually starts a good couple of feet wide of the right hand post and then it whips back in. And Donnarumma hasn't got a chance. And I mean, we know Fabian Scher is capable of some strikes, but that one, when slipping over last night, was, was particularly special. And in that moment, and he, he himself didn't even seem to necessarily believe what he just achieved. What, what, what a moment to top off what was a phenomenal it's, night. It's, it's- Slip over screamer really going to catch on? I, 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 you could have worked a bit more of that. It's, it's a bit of a mouth. Slip over screamer. That's all cool. I'm claiming it. I'm, I'm, I'm there must be a better. There must be a better. The, the slip scream. No, no, okay, that doesn't work either. I mean, it was better than Brown El Gamarej by you last week, George. That's no, that was genius. Come on, that was genius. <laughs> All right, okay, let's move on a little bit. Thanks to listener Pete Dewhurst, who got in touch after translating the review of the match by French footy aficionados L'Equipe. He said, aggressive and coordinated pressing, judicious projections, generous efforts, solidarity, mischief and success. <laughs> solidarity, mischief and success has got quite a ring to it, hasn't that? That should be the podcast motto, George. Egality, fraternity, yeah. Solidarity, mischief and success. I quite like that, yeah, mischief. I think there's a lack of solidarity, but yeah. Yeah, the solidarity amongst themselves, a mischief, a mischief of magpies, of course. of course. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, three lovely words there. George, you had a little chat, Alan Shearer, about uh, about the match last night, didn't you? 
Well, indeed. And in fact, I, I was speaking to him about something else today, but I asked him for his his three words to sum up last night's performance. Give, give, give me three words on last night. Three words. Well, just three noises. Phenomenally fucking brilliant. Right, well, I might use that. So that's just <laughs> phenomenally fucking brilliant. Lovely. Thank you very much. If that, if that, make, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that'll make the cut. Thank you. Chat no to <laughs> try, try, bye. 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 Alan from work speaking for all of us there. Um, but I, I just mentioned beforehand a mischief of magpies, which does remind me that I, uh, I bumped into Kevin and our other friend Abby. Uh, from a Mischief of Magpies podcast in a, in the States, who I met this summer during pre-season, and they were both over for the match. Absolutely incredible. Somehow managed to get tickets, but just didn't want to, to miss them at this moment. So I would like to give a little shout-out to the two of them. Brilliant to meet them outside the strawberry yesterday. Have a chat and a, hu- and a hug. I'm so glad they were over here to, to see it. Safe home, fellas. Brilliant stuff, yeah. We got a couple of emails in, actually, and there's another email from the States here as well, George, from Josh Downey. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll, I'll kind of go over it. Uh, George, they met you in a bloody car park just under three months ago, uh, and apparently just give you an impassioned speech about sport and hope and belief. And he says, last night we will talk about forever. In 40 years, they'll talk this night when two fucking Geordies took the piss out of Mbappe. Uh, it's brilliant. He says, I hope you can accept my apologies, but I just needed to share what this day meant with you as my Geordie family. Uh, Chris, Jacob and Taylor, you are now all my brothers just like George. Bless him. So there was that one, and there was one from... I believe it's Kuriang in Norway. Uh, hello, guys. Love the podcast. And I love it when Colton loses it on air. Pretty much every episode, let's be honest. Last night, during the celebration of the third goal, my watch gave me a notification of dangerously high decibel levels. And I was at a pub, not the stadium. I've followed Newcastle for 26 years, and this must be one of, if not the best games I've ever seen. Also, I wanted to ask Mr. Whitehead, I know you say you're an Everton fan, but isn't there a small part of you that now has a soft spot for Newcastle United? Or is it actually a hard spot, Jacob? Well, you saw George trying to trap me last night, which I was just about wise to, despite the kind of giddiness of it. I think it's at a point where spending time in the city and being fond of so many people who Newcastle means so much to. When Newcastle do well, I am happy because I can see what it means to them, what it means to the area. Um, in a purely footballing level, it's a weird one. You follow the team the whole time. I'm, I'm still an Everton fan. I've got a lot of family ties to Sheffield Wednesday, so I've always got a soft spot for them. But but, but Newcastle are definitely a team I'm now... Boring. ...keeping an eye out for. Boring. Let's let's have no heckling. Did you just imply that you're fond of George? Is that what you just implied and what you said there? <laughs> well, I was actually genuinely... I, I was considering just saying Taylor and Chris name them, but it felt just a bit like I was starting scraps for no reason. I sort of didn't want to have I'm a ignoring, I'm ignoring this. Road I'm, moment. I'm ignoring this, and I'm going back to... He jo- hasn't said no, has he? No, he hasn't said no. I'm, I'm ignoring that, and I'm going back to Josh's email. So, yeah, Josh is my uh, my new brother. We did have that great chat and hug, and he talked about he talked about that Newcastle family. That is just so valuable and beautiful, and I need to get hold of Josh's email address so I can send him a message back. Right then, lads, let's move things on. Um, We'll be back in just a minute after a short break. But before that, why don't you check us out on Twitter? We're easy to find at Pod on the Time. Or drop us an email at Pod on the Time at theathletic.com. Back in a moment. 
This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Right then, one more little correspondence to uh, to talk about. Marty Q at Malaga Mag on Twitter. That was a landmark game for NUFC. Top players will be watching that and thinking, I want a piece of that. And other clubs will maybe be looking at Eddie Howe and thinking they want a piece of him. And let's be honest, who can blame them? It's true, isn't it? I think, George, you'd probably say, if you were a neutral, you'd be looking at Eddie Howe and thinking, he's probably the next cab off the rank as far as something like the England manager goes, wouldn't he? Yeah, but they can do one. Yeah, they can fuck right off, can't they? Yeah, who cares? He's not. I mean, you, you know, I think in the past we would worry about things like that, and with rightly so, because there was such a low glass ceiling on ambition at Newcastle. If anybody was any good, they'd be off. You know, we we did a piece with Johan Kabai this week, and uh, because he he now works for PSG's backroom staff in their in their youth setup, and you know, you go back to that time when he played for Newcastle. It was the it was the it was the high watermark of the Ashley era when they finished fifth and of course then didn't kick on did quite the opposite and then struggled he was always going to go the way he left 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 a very very sour taste in the mouth because he effectively sort of went on strike to try and get a move and but that was the club that was the club that was sold to players back then it's not like that now players will of course want to come and be part of what's happening and you know where would where would Eddie Howe go at the moment that's a step up the Newcastle I mean that's the exciting thing a club that's in the Champions League a club that's pushing to win things. Yeah, hands off. But I'm not worried about that. You've got to see the positive of this, don't you? Like, yes, everyone is going to see Eddie Howe. Everyone's going to see Bruno Guimaraes. I'm pretty sure the top sides are already aware of him. But having all of those eyes comes with massive other benefits to Newcastle as well. We've been talking about how for the last few years they need to grow this commercial revenue so they can start to spend stuff for financial fair play well this is exactly how you do it getting absolutely massive wins over one of the largest brands in world football when your commercial deals are still not at the level of other elite teams in the premier league that is how you grow spend more money and eventually sean longstaff spoke about wanting to join those teams consistently there is a reality that you need money and investment to do that Results like this are only going to speed up the path to get there. Absolutely. Uh, right, then Eddie Howe now has to get his charges ready for that game away at West Ham on the weekend. And similarly, we have to muster up some enthusiasm uh, for a conversation about West Ham away. Uh, London Stadium after that, Chris, it's a bit of a shit place to watch football, isn't it? But that's the job, I suppose. <laughs> it is indeed. I mean, I just want to make t- sort of two points here. First of all, this is another challenge for, for Newcastle in terms of how do you then come back from the high and the the adrenaline shown last night in, in a huge match that you've got up for against Paris Saint-Germain to then return to what is a Premier League match West Ham side who are playing very well scoring goals winning matches at the minute how do you refocus and get ready for that that's another challenge which we'll have to see how they cope with they reacted really well to the to the drawn Milan obviously well I say really well phenomenally well and won 8-0 at Sheffield United so how they respond and do that at the London Stadium is one thing. I think the other thing, which we didn't make a big enough point of really in the previous bit, is other than mentioning Sven Botman, Newcastle destroyed Paris Saint-Germain without 
a string of key players. Yeah. It wasn't just Sven Botman that they were without. Callum Wilson wasn't in the squad, who has been prolific for them for, for a long period of time. They still haven't had Joe Willock at all yet this season. Joe Linton, who is a player who almost certainly would have he would have been on the squad, probably would have started last night if he'd been fit and available. Newcastle have a string of injuries throughout the team, and yet they are, they, they are still managing to to win these matches and, and they are managing to get to them. I mean, Alexander Isak, we also didn't mention his Alan Shearer moment of being bandaged around, having this bandage strapped around his head in the first half of the game last night. That That's another concern. So yeah. Newcastle, to a degree, part of the squad is walking wounded, but they're finding solutions at the minute. And we have to see who, who is ready to play on Sunday in that game, West Ham. Hopefully, physically, those players who present last night will be available again Joel Linton may even be back Callum Wilson may be back as well but this, this that's what's so impressive about Newcastle at the moment is they are they have these issues and they're managing them so well yeah it's going to be a bit of a come down isn't it George from, from the other night but Newcastle will have to try and manage that and the expectations are now that they go to West Ham and they try and get a positive result doesn't feel like too long ago that we were kind of mulling over Newcastle's poor start to the season, um, and it feels very different now. Yeah, well, this is why this is why they're 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 bringing in a sports psychologist, it's someone who can kind of get them up, get them down from these big moments, and try and have that same level of intensity all the way through. As Chris said, you know, they came off that enormous emotional moment in Milan and then went and uh, tore into Sheffield United. It becomes a you know, more difficult task the more players that they lose through injury, and that is a, you know, that really is a concern. But so far, so good. They did it. They did it brilliantly after their first Champions League performance. Very interesting listening to Eddie Howe last night. In fact, quite the opposite. Quite boring listening to Eddie Howe last night. But I'm sure that's absolutely part of what he's doing. He's not getting carried away with with this sort of enormous emotive. Uh, moment for the club because for him it's all about what happens next and that's what he's trying to do it's another test for them they've already shown that they can do it once but yeah the job is to keep doing it that's what big clubs that's what great clubs do they win and then they win and then they win again 100% uh, just quickly Jacob before we go Kieran Trippier the only Newcastle player uh, named in the latest England squad uh, obviously we want the likes of Pope and Byrne and Longstaff and Wilson etc to be considered and selected but it's a bit of a blessing in disguise at the moment isn't it let's be honest completely it's such a strange emotion especially for someone like Eddie Howe because he sort of wants his players to go as far as possible and to kind of be fulfilled but at the same time of course he wants to work with him for two weeks it really helped Newcastle Last season, he spoke about how important the international break was in resetting uh, lots of stuff this season, even though he was missing a few members of his midfield. But you've seen Sean Longstaff, after that international break, come in after being at the training ground and you know solving most of Newcastle's midfield problems. Only Trippier, I think, Pope in particular, is quite harshly done by Longstaff, especially with some of the midfield selections in that England squad. Anthony Bloody Gordon, Jacob. I know Anthony Gordon, but England is so strong on the wing that I can perhaps see that one slightly more than in some other positions. I don't don't know. Anthony Gordon tearing it up in the Champions League. I'm not sure about that. I think... This is so different to when I was Anthony Gordon's sole defender. It felt like in the entirety of Newcastle. And now all of a sudden I'm being not enthusiastic. he He must be in the top he must be in the top handful of players in the in the Premier League at the moment in terms of form. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I personally, I mean, and we also know how much playing for the England under twenty ones did for his confidence. I mean, I'm 
in in that selfish sense, I'm glad he's not being picked up because he's barely had a break. He's had like a handful of days off this year, and that's too much. You know, it it really is. But at the same time, you know, I think I think for Newcastle's players to be recognised to to get that sort of recognition would be a huge boost. Yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, I totally understand the question. Um, you know, hopefully they can get a bit of a rest because the 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 league and and the other competitions haven't allowed it, but. They deserve to be in the conversation more than that. I think they deserve to be in the squad. Right then, chaps, I think it's time to wrap things up, eh? Um, well, that's it. It's been an emotional one. What an unbelievable night at St James's Park, a game that's probably going to be remembered for years and years to come. Uh, a brilliant day, a brilliant day all round. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris Watt, for your time. You're very welcome. And just before we sign off, just to say that that was almost two years to the day since George was stood in the away and uh, sorry, st- stood at Molyneux when Newcastle lost 2-1 uh, at Wolverhampton Wanderers pre-takeover. Yes. The takeover anniversary is actually this Saturday, but that was almost, almost the anniversary of that, two-year anniversary of that, Newcastle then go uh, and just hammer Paris Saint-Germain. So quite the contrast. Incredible. Thanks very much, Jacob. Yeah, thank you. I mean, what a pleasure just to be there last night, to, to see the city like that, and then to be spending it uh, with you lovely chaps this afternoon, dissecting it. And thank you, as always, Mr. George Corgan. Yeah, we've had a great time, haven't we, Jacob? We we are in having really enjoyed ourselves, haven't we, in the past twenty four hours? We? Yep. One of <laughs> us. Got him. Got him. One of us. Got him. One of us. Jacob Whitehead, he's one of our own. <laughs> Right, then that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Why don't you subscribe to The Athletic via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just $1 or £1 a month for 12 months, depending on where in the world you are. Uh, I'm still up in space. I don't know about you lads, but that's it for this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week at some point. Uh, We'll speak to you very soon. From everybody upon in the time, enjoy your weekend. Take care. Goodbye. From a mischief of Magpie's podcast, who I'd um, who I'd met over in the states during preseason, and he was at the match yesterday with a with a fuck. It's going so well so far on this podcast. Hang on. Right. <clears throat> that reminds me, actually, Taylor. I mentioned. Um, I mentioned a mischief of magpies, and before the match, I said I was hanging around the, the stadium, trying to soak up the atmosphere. I oh, there's my fucking doorbell. <laughs> Please keep that in. That's got to go in at the end of the podcast. Sorry. Was that the doorbell, was it? It's a fucking doorbell. <sighs> right.
Go on then. I don't know what you're all laughing at. I don't know what's so funny about that, but whatever it is, I've noticed it and your cards are marked. <laughs> Look at Chris's face. Just let me compose myself here. <coughs> right, are we recording? Oh, no, my phone's ringing. You can do one. So I mentioned a mischief of magpies just before that clip, and that reminds me, I bumped into Kevin and our other... The Athletic. <laughs>